You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show coming right up with Gavin Walker. Thank you. 
We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.ca. And uh, you can check out our podcasts as well on that uh, www.ca link. And my name's Gavin Walker. I almost forgot. And we have three hours plus of some of the finest in jazz music. And we hope that you can stay with us on this uh, rather beautiful evening in Vancouver. And we'd like to uh, welcome you aboard. Our jazz feature tonight, which is uh, something we do uh, on or shortly after 11 o'clock, and it's a whole album of, uh, of a specific artist. That's the general idea of the jazz feature. This one we've done before, but we're doing it again because it was a very important album, which was never likely to ever see the light of day. The artist is a man named Andrew Hill. Andrew Hill is, was a pianist. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, actually just before he was slated to come to Vancouver, and it was uh, really upsetting to everybody, but Andrew had uh, uh, succumbed to uh, illness and never made the gig here in Vancouver. Andrew Hill was a um, pianist, composer, and uh, I think um, a musical genius. And Andrew Hill began recording. Um, he was originally he was born in Chicago of Haitian parents, and uh, moved to New York about 1963, and began recording. Appeared as a sideman on a Hank Mobley recording, uh, playing pretty straight ahead music. But um, he was then introduced by Hank to uh, Alfred Lyon, the head honcho of Blue Note Records, and Andrew said, "Well, I have." Um, a hundred compositions, original compositions, and um, I I do my own music and that sort of thing. And Lyon was extremely impressed by this young man, and gave him uh, his own record date, which turned out to be a classic. It happened about a month after the Hank Mobley date, and the album was called Black Fire, and um, Andrew Hill became one of Alfred Lyon's favorites. And uh, Andrew's music is uncompromising. It's quirky. Uh, it's different. It's uh, not really within the mainstream of the music, but it is. Um, it's, it's hard to describe. And Alfred Lyon looked on Andrew Hill as he, much, as he did Thelonious Monk uh, a decade earlier. And he thought of Andrew Hill as being not anyway imitative of Thelonious Monk, but he looked at Andrew as being just as creative and just as original as Thelonious, and recorded Andrew prolifically. Now, of course, and, um, Alfred Lang, being a smart businessman, knew right from the get-go that he couldn't uh, flood the market with Andrew Hill records, and so he uh, released them very judiciously. And uh, Andrew Hill had a great recorded legacy on Blue Notes, but there was a lot of stuff that never got issued. Now, it's all pretty well come out today uh, on comprehensive uh, uh, box sets and all this kind of stuff. But this particular album called Passing Ships, um, Andrew Hill himself rejected. Um, he, uh, was, he 
listened to a tape uh, of this, and it wasn't particularly well recorded, and um, Andrew had objections to the whole um, session, although he remembered it well. He said the music was quite difficult, and anyway, it just didn't sound good to his ears. And about a month later, he had second thoughts, and... um, Michael Cascuna, the great uh, uh, Blue Note uh, researcher, um, was contacted by Andrew, and he said, you know, I'd like to re-listen to that. And Michael Cascuna said, man, this is incredible uh, serendipity because I have just found um, the master tape of this album, and I think it sounds great, and I'll bring it over to your house. So that's what happened brought it over to Andrew Hill's house, and Andrew said, this must be released. This is great stuff. The sound was 100% better than the first uh, tape that he had heard, which turned out to be a, a, a demo tape. Uh, and everything kind of fell together, and Andrew said, this has got to come out. So um, the recording was uh, edited uh, by Andrew and Michael Cascuna and finally put out in the year 2003, and it became one of the most talked about albums of the year. It won all kinds of awards, and um, people just raved about this uh, this particular album. There's um, a, quite a large group on here, uh, two trumpeters, the great Woody Shaw and the Jamaican-born Dizzy Reese, who actually grew up about a block away from my best friend, and um, Julian Priester on trombone. Uh, Robert Northern on French horn, Howard Johnson, uh, what a genius he is. He plays tuba and bass clarinet on this, and there's only one reed player, but he plays um, a whole bunch of reeds, and I'm talking about the talented, the late, great Joe Farrell, who was heard on soprano saxophone, tenor saxophone, alto flute, uh, bass clarinet, uh, regular flute, and English horn, all those instruments. And Ron Carter is the bassist, and a very young Lenny White on drums, and of course Andrew Hill on piano. There's seven compositions on this album, and it's an absolutely fascinating date, and um, worth all the praise that it got when it was released. So uh, this album really adds to Andrew Hill's legacy. Passing Ships, that's going to be our jazz feature. Today is May the 26th. And as most people know, anybody that has been on Facebook or the Internet uh, and in contact with friends know that today, one of the great movers and shakers of jazz music, a man who probably changed jazz more than anyone else, Miles Davis, was born in St. Louis, Missouri, today. And uh, actually, Alton, Illinois, was his hometown, close to uh, uh, St. Louis. And uh, Miles, um, of course, is somewhere (laughs) celebrating his birthday. So we're going to celebrate Miles Davis's birthday. Uh, There's just so much that I could play and open the show with. And I thought about it, um, it being Miles Davis's birthday. There's so many great albums to choose from. I mean, this kind of blue, of course, which everyone has heard. There's, there's Milestones, which is my all-time favorite Miles Davis album. 
uh, there's um, Miles Ahead, there's Porgy and Bess, there's all uh, sketches of Spain, there's later stuff like the uh, the second great quintet uh, albums that they did, Sorcerer, Nefertiti, uh, this bitches brew, this this stuff that goes on. We're going to go back to a date that I was there on this particular night, Friday night, at the Blackhawk in San Francisco. I had gone down to San Francisco to hang with one of my very best friends in this world, the drummer, Eddie Moore. And um, Eddie and I decided to uh, go. Eddie was well-known around San Francisco. And we got into the Blackhawk and witnessed Friday night at the Blackhawk with the Miles Davis Quintet. This was April 21st, 1961. And Eddie and I had uh, best seats in the house. We got to meet everybody in the band which was wonderful. We were treated like royalty, and we even had Miles Davis shake our hands <laughs> because we were hanging at the bar talking with Winton Kelly, and Miles um, came over and, and uh, shook our hands and said that he was happy to see us there and were we enjoying the music. And it, it was an incredible feeling because Miles Davis didn't usually do that in, the, in those days. And uh, I turned to Witten Kelly and said, damn, I'm not going to wash my hand for weeks. And he, of course, cracked up. Anyway, um, we're going to play some excerpts from the second set of the evening. We had settled in. We'd already met all the guys in the band, and it was wonderful. I had a chance to talk to Hank Mobley, who was notoriously shy. And um, I asked him about his, uh, we talked about uh, a little bit about saxophone uh, uh, technology, mouthpieces and reeds and that sort of thing. And Hank was very, uh, very forthcoming. Then he asked me, um, he asked me if I smoked. And at the time, of course, I did. And I said, yeah, I said, I got some interesting cigarettes for you. Um, and I was smoking Buckingham cigarettes at the time, which was a Canadian cigarette. He'd never seen them before. So he asked for one and he smoked it and, uh, said that he quite enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, and uh, anyway, it was it was just a, a thrilling time to be there, and uh, I really miss my friend Eddie Eddie Moore, one of the one of the all time great uh, and rather unsung drummers. He played with literally everybody, and uh, Eddie passed away in in nineteen ninety, died of a heart attack. But um, we were there. We were best buddies, and. Uh, as I said, we were treated uh, by the management uh, uh, like royalty. Uh, we were never charged admission. Of course, we had to pay for our drinks, but that was all right. Um, and the wonderful experience. So I'm going to play you three tunes from the second set uh, of the evening of Friday, uh, April 21st, 1961. And... Um, the personnel of the band, Miles Davis on trumpet, Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, Winton Kelly at the piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. And Jimmy, of course, is the only surviving member of this group. So in honor of Miles Davis and in honor of his birthday, we're going to hear three tunes. The first one is a Miles Davis original. It's called Neo. And the second one is a very beautiful ballad that Miles always liked to play, I Thought About You, 
And the final tune that we're going to hear is an up-tempo version of uh, one of Miles' staples in the band. It was actually written by tenor saxophonist Gene Ammons, and, um, but often credited to Miles Davis. The tune is called Walkin'. And those three tunes we're going to hear right now. So we take you back to April 21st, 1961, at the Blackhawk in San Francisco at the corner of Turk and Hyde. Mr. Miles Davis, happy birthday.
Davis at the Blackhawk in San Francisco, April 21st, 1961. And we heard Miles, of course, with uh, Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, the great Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and the only surviving member of this illustrious quintet, Jimmy Cobb on drums. And we heard three tunes. Uh, played by Mr. Davis and company, and wow, um, it brings back a lot of memories for me because uh, being there that night and uh, and hearing all this music, and of course it was just recently, um, just a few years ago, it was released in its complete form on a um, actually a four CD set um, because Miles was recorded uh, Friday night, the night. Um, my friend Eddie Moore and I were there, uh, and Saturday night, the following night, and uh, some of the tunes were were not uh, on the original LPs or even the um, CD releases of of this. But they finally uh, went back to the original tapes and found out uh, all the um, known material from these. Uh, these two nights. So we heard an excerpt from the second set on Friday night, and we opened with a Miles Davis original composition called Neo, and then uh, the beautiful ballad uh, by Johnny Mercer and uh, Jimmy Van Heusen, I Thought About You, one of Miles Davis's favorite ballads. And then we moved to an up-tempo uh, piece of music that was actually written by Gene Ammons, and uh, of course it was appropriated by Miles Davis and entitled Walkin', and uh, he used that, uh, um, that was in the Davis repertoire almost right up to the time as when he moved into more electronic music and, and uh, Bitches Brew style music in the uh, uh, late 60s, early 70s. Walkin' was a part of the uh, Miles Davis repertoire. So we heard three tunes by this uh, incredible quintet, and I hope you enjoyed that first set this evening on The Jazz Show as a tribute to uh, Mr. Davis, who was born in Alton, Illinois, on this day in 1926. And, of course, uh, he is still revered. He's, um, he's missed, 
uh, his his uh, contributions to music, of course, will be here forever. They just um, created a new street in New York, uh, and uh, it's called Miles Davis Way. And, of course, everybody, all the musicians and, and people involved in the arts in New York were there for the opening of that street named after Miles Davis. And um, also, there is... Um, a movie in the works starring Don Cheadle. And uh, it's purported to be a biography of Miles Davis, or at least part of his life. So uh, that should be very interesting to see um, what is done with that. A lot of jazz biographies uh, in movies have uh, not been very good. And um, Miles Davis's uh, extended family is working very, very closely with the producers on this biography. So we can be sure, we can hope that it's going to be very credible. And of course, with Don Cheadle playing um, Miles Davis in the movie, he's one of uh, one of the great African American actors, and uh, he should do a, a wonderful job, I'm sure. So. In honor of Miles Davis's birthday, that was our first set. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. We'll be back in a moment. My name's Gavin Walker, by the way, and uh, we'll be back in a moment uh, after a few um, words and uh, pay tribute to a gentleman one of the great singers in jazz who was um, passed away. He was 100 years old. I'll tell you a little more about him uh, in a few moments. And we'll hear his biggest hit. How much do you know about bikes? Everything? Perfect. Nothing at all? Even better. At the UBC Bike Kitchen, you can use our space and tools to do your own bike maintenance, get one-on-one instruction on how to fix your bike yourself, or drop your bike off for us to repair. You can also buy a fully refurbished, guaranteed used bicycle, or a variety of new and used parts and accessories. The Bike Kitchen is UBC's non-profit, student-owned, full-service bike shop. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building, Just look for the stairwell on the north side of the sub across from Gage Towers or search for the UBC Bike Kitchen on Facebook. Stop by the Bike Kitchen and then get riding. We have some words about the uh, weather. Tonight is uh, is really nice uh, coming out here this evening. Um, Supposed to be partly cloudy later on this evening with a 40% chance of a shower. The weather's kind of up and down right now. It's in a 
inconsistent period, but it's uh, it's quite nice when the sun shines, of course. And uh, tonight's going to get a little cooler, down to about uh, between 8 and 10. Then tomorrow is a mix of sun and cloud, um, and uh, 30% chance of a perhaps a shower late in the afternoon with a low of 10 and a high of 18. Wednesday, uh, showers with a low of 11 and a high of 17. Thursday is cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of 11, high of 18. Then things brighten up uh, on Friday with um, a sunny forecast, low of 11, high of 19. And the weekend is basically going to be quite nice. Uh, No precipitation in the forecast, a mix of sun and cloud with lows between um, 11 and 12 and highs between 21 and 22. Pretty nice. Well, back to music. Uh, We're going to go really back in time for this piece of music. Uh, It was recorded when Herb Jeffries was uh, singing with the Duke Ellington Orchestra. He was the male singer in Ellington's band. And uh, this goes uh, back to, well, what is considered by many to be uh, the greatest period of uh, Ellington's music, which is, of course, debatable. Um, This was recorded um, just after Christmas, December 28, 1940. And this became a huge hit, uh, not only for Duke Ellington, but for singer Herb Jeffries. Herb Jeffries was a man of um, mixed heritage. Uh, he, w- he could, um, in the old days, he very definitely could have passed for white. And if you saw Mr. Jeffries on the street, you would assume uh, that he was a Caucasian. But Herb Jeffries was of mixed ancestry, And he always thought of himself as black, African-American. And um, he definitely, um, he never turned away from that at all, uh, even though it could have been uh, to his um, financial and social advantage. Uh, Jeffries was was just like that. He passed away, uh, he was 100 years old, and um, passed away, as far as I know, just yesterday, the, the news came out. He was born in Detroit, Michigan, and um, he had a very interesting musical history. He was a very, very popular singer. And uh, this particular song that we're going to listen to became a huge hit and sold lots of records um, for Duke Ellington um, as well and put Herb Jeffries on the map. But he was also a singing cowboy. And, of course, that was very, very popular in movies. Uh, We had Gene Autry. We had Roy Rogers. Gene Autry was the first black singing cowboy, and he was known as the Bronze Buckaroo, and he starred in uh, various movies, um, cowboy movies of of the 30s and 40s, and was uh, extremely popular. But he had a gorgeous voice, and we're going to hear his hit, um, I'm going to play you the tune, which was written by uh, um, a, a couple of obscure composers. It, this is a great piece of music anyway. Uh, it um, was arranged by Duke Ellington and um, arranged by Billy Strayhorn. And uh, we hear um, solos on here by Johnny Hodges and Lawrence Brown. 
as well, of course, as the dulcet tones of Herb Jeffries, who we're paying tribute to. This was his hit. We're going to follow that with one of my very favorite Ellington pieces from this period. Uh, after we hear the, the, the composition Flamingo, which, which became Herb Jeffrey's greatest hit, uh, we're going to hear a, a piece of music that was actually written by Ellington's son, Mercer. And it's really one of my all-time favorite uh, Duke Ellington performances. I love this tune. It's called Blue Surge. And uh, so we begin by paying tribute to the late, great Herb Jeffries. Here is his hit. He was always associated with this tune. Like a flame in the sky Flying over the island To my lover nearby Flamingo With your tropical hue For it's you I rely on And the love that is true The wind sings a song to you as you go A song that I hear below The murmuring pond when the sun meets the sea Say farewell to my lover and hasten to me
Well, I added uh, one more tune to the uh, two that we were going to play. We opened uh, with Flamingo, and of course that was a huge hit for a gentleman who just passed away yesterday at age 100, the fabulous Herb Jeffries. And uh, this was his um, big hit, and of course that became part of his repertoire for the rest of his life. Herb Jeffries, one of the... uh, all-time great singers, and um, with the Duke Ellington Orchestra, recorded in 1940. And then we moved to uh, an instrumental, which uh, featured a couple of solos by Lawrence Brown and Johnny Hodges, and there's a beautiful tune written by Ellington's son, Mercer, and uh, it's always been one of my favorite pieces uh, by the Ellington Orchestra of this period, called Blue Surge. And then we moved to a, a real classic. The, the final tune we heard was called Coco, and that was written by Duke and basically featured no solos at all. It was an ensemble piece, but it featured the magnificent bass playing of Jimmy Blanton, who was really the first modern bassist. He influenced Oscar Pettiford, and he was the inspiration behind Charles Mingus to take up the bass. And uh, Jimmy died um, very young, um, died of uh, TB, sad to say. Uh, and uh, we lost um, someone who, had he lived, would have uh, continued to revolutionize the string bass. But he certainly did in his short um, and brilliant career with Duke Ellington. So he anchored the band uh, during all of these um, three tunes that we heard, and of course he was heard a little more out front on the final tune called Coco. All right, three tunes by Duke Ellington, and of course the first one featuring the legendary Herb Jeffries. I'd like to pay tribute to another gentleman who uh, just passed away. He's 84 years old, and he was a great piano player. Uh, He's not as well known as um, he was more a musician's musician. He was more an underground figure, but he was much revered. He was originally from upstate New York and uh, from Rochester and studied at the Eastman School of Music. Actually began playing uh, saxophone, tenor saxophone and clarinet, but switched to piano and became one of the finest uh, piano players in the business. He was I always thought of him as uh, Los Angeles's answer to Wynton Kelly. And that, that's really my description of Frank Strazeri. And uh, Frank uh, died of um, illness um, just a couple of days ago. And uh, he was 84 years old. We're going to hear Frank uh, on an album. He was part of a, a short-lived band um, which was co-led by the great tenor saxophonist, Harold Land, and his partner, um, bassist Red Mitchell. And they put their heads together and formed a band uh, that uh, recorded a very fine album for Atlantic Records, and it's the only example of this particular band, because the band didn't last that long, too bad. But this was the first exposure that I had to Frank Strazeri's playing, and so I'm going to pay tribute to him by playing uh, two tracks from this uh, session. First track is with the band, which features Harold Land, of course, one of my all-time favorites on tenor saxophone, uh, Carmel Jones on trumpet, Frank Strazeri on piano, uh, Red Mitchell on bass, and Leon Pettis on drums, 
And the second tune is just the trio with uh, Frank Strazeri on piano, uh, Red Mitchell on bass, and uh, Leon Petty's on drums. And uh, we're going to hear the trio play a very fine Jerome Kern, Johnny Mercer tune called I'm Old Fashioned. But first, we're going to open with a Harold Land composition called Triplin' a While. So here then, in honor of the late and great Frank Strazeri, here's some really fine music.
our tribute to pianist Frank Strazzari, great player, and someone uh, who generally operated a little below the jazz radar, and uh, he certainly didn't deserve it, but he was respected by just about every musician that um, came in, he came in contact with. Frank Strazzari, originally from Rochester, New York, and has spent many, many years in Los Angeles and also uh, in Las Vegas, and um, really made a name for himself as an ideal sideman and a wonderful piano player. Uh, as I said, uh, I, I called him the, uh, the Winton Kelly of Los Angeles, and he really had that kind of bounce in his playing. We heard um, him with this uh, great band um, led by tenor saxophonist Harold Land and bassist Red Mitchell on the first tune. Uh, the people involved, of course, Land and Mitchell, uh, Carmel Jones on trumpet, Mr. Strazzari on piano, and Leon Petty's on drums. And we heard a Harold Land composition called Triplin a while. That was the full band. And then a trio uh, that featured a lot of really nice bass work by Red Mitchell and, of course, uh, Frank Strazzari at the piano and uh, some tasteful drumming by Mr. Leon Petty's. And we heard the wonderful Johnny Mercer, Jerome Kern tune, I'm Old Fashioned. Frank Strazzari uh, passed away a couple of days ago at age 84, a long and noble career in jazz music. We'll be back right after uh, a couple of uh, messages with some music by the great Canadian pianist, Recorded in Canada as well, Oscar Peterson, one of his finest recorded performances. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. For the very best in bluegrass music, plus classic country, Cajun, rockabilly, western swing, and whatever jumps off the shelves at us, tune in every Tuesday morning at 6.30 for Pacific, Pacific Pickin' with your host, Arthur Berman. And I'm Andrea. The lovely Andrea, who will also provide you with our concert calendar and every bit of news and information you can possibly need. And as if that wasn't enough, there's a warm-up show at 6, featuring a little bit of a wider variety of roots and branches of bluegrass music. So tune in each morning, 6 for the warm-up show, 6.30 for the main show, Pacific Pickin' on... CITR 101.9 in Vancouver. Up next is pianist Oscar Peterson, a legendary Canadian who, uh, of course, performed all over the world and, and got so many honors and accolades, deservedly so. We're going to go back, actually, to 1956, uh, in August at the Stratford Shakespearean Festival in Stratford, Ontario. And uh, along with the Shakespearean plays and so on and so forth, um, the, the board of directors at Stratford uh, decided to bring in some of the best of jazz. And I remember um, going there with my parents 
to Stratford. We were actually on our way to Vancouver, and it was the first leg of a, a long uh, journey across the country uh, because we're leaving to move to Vancouver. And we spent several days in Stratford enjoying uh, not only some Shakespeare plays, but um, I didn't hear this performance, but I did hear Dave Brubeck's performance because I really wanted to hear the quartet. And so uh, during this uh, um, segment, and um, it was quite wonderful, but um, I didn't get to hear Oscar Peterson's performance, but uh, they, Norman Grants made a recording of it. And uh, we're going to hear a couple of tracks by the great Oscar Peterson trio with Ray Brown on bass and Herb Ellis on guitar. And Oscar said about this tune that we're going to hear, we're going to hear the tune How High the Moon. And uh, that's going to be the opening tune. And then we're going to follow that with a Thelonious Monk tune called 52nd Street Theme. And Oscar once said about Ray Brown's solo on here, he said, this is one of the greatest bass solos ever. And I'm so happy that it was captured on, on records. And it's a bass solo that should be put into a time capsule and played for aspiring bass players 200 years from now because they'll still learn something from it. So we're going to play you um, the piece of music where this bass solo was from. So How High the Moon, followed by 52nd Street theme, the great Oscar Peterson trio. A little earlier in the evening, we featured our guitarist, Herbie Ellis, and at this time, we would like to feature our bassist, Ray Brown, as he joins us to a number that has become a jazz classic, How High the Moon.
Two tracks by the incredible Oscar Peterson Trio, recorded at the Stratford Shakespearean Festival, August 7th, 1956, in Stratford, Ontario. And of course, the Shakespearean Festival was, was very much like um, what we have here in Vancouver, Bart on the Beach, except um, they had um, kind of a broader repertoire of things. It wasn't strictly about uh, Shakespeare plays. They had other... They had. Um, string quartets there, small symphony orchestras, and jazz. And Oscar Peterson was uh, one of the many jazz artists that played at the Stratford Shakespearean Festival uh, during its day. So we heard um, two tunes. The first tune, as Oscar stated in his announcement, featured bassist Ray Brown. And uh, Oscar Peterson um, often said that... um, Ray Brown's bass solo on that is one of the greatest he's ever heard, and he was very happy that it was preserved on a recording so the world could hear it. And, of course, the first tune that we heard was How High the Moon. And the second tune was uh, actually written by Thelonious Monk, and it was the theme song of all kinds of uh, little um, modern jazz bands that played on 52nd Street in New York where all the, all the clubs were at one time. And so, of course, it was called 52nd Street Theme, and we heard this uh, incredibly fast version of that tune by the Oscar Peterson Trio with Herb Ellis on guitar and Ray Brown on bass. And, of course, the magnificent O.P. on piano, Oscar Peterson. Next up is a friend of mine. He's a singer. I think he's one of the finest singers in the country of this particular style of music. He may remind you a little bit of Sinatra. He might remind you a little bit of Tony Bennett and other singers. But he only sounds like himself. He lives in Victoria. He spent a lot of years in Toronto. His name is Joe Coughlin. 
And Joe, of course, possesses this very expressive voice and knows, really knows how to put across a song, these songs. And um, he really stands as uh, one of the foremost singers in the country. He's accompanied here by another good friend of mine, one of the leading lights of jazz piano in Toronto, Mark Eisenman. And uh, this is a brand new album. It's just come out, and uh, Joe states in, in, in the liner notes, he said, you know, I'm really a saloon singer. And, of course, that is kind of um, an old expression for a singer that sings these great standard tunes, and a la Sinatra, a la Bennett, um, and, and others. And, um, so, you know, uh, that's the sort of... Um, name that uh, <laughs> they give it. So the album is called Saloon Standard and Joe Coughlin on vocal and Mark Eisenman on piano. We're going to hear two tunes. The first one was written by Henry Mancini and it's a gorgeous version of The Days of Wine and Roses, a tune that you probably heard a million times and it's still, when it's done like this, it means so much. And the second tune is a lovely tune written by Ray Noble and it's called The Touch of Your Lips. So these two tunes from this brand new album um, on the label, uh, you can find this album at joecovlinjazz.com. And Kovlin is spelt uh, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N. Joe, of course, is J-O-E, uh, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N, jazz, J-A-Z-Z.com. And uh, you can find this and if you like the album you should add this one to your collection it's brand new here is joe and mark The Lord 
just a passing breeze filled with memories of the golden smile that introduced me to And that's classy singing. Joe Coughlin, a resident of uh, Victoria, British Columbia, for many years, and his buddy Mark Eisenman on piano, one of uh, this country's finest pianists. And we heard two tunes from this uh, great album called Saloon Standard. 
And uh, the first one, of course, was the Henry Mancini classic, The Days of Wine and Roses. And the second one, um, I always like this tune by Ray Noble called The Touch of Your Lips, Joe Coblin. We'll be hearing more from this album. It's uh, just, uh, I listened to the whole thing today. It just, uh, it came in the mail today and I just uh, went, oh, yeah, this is uh, jazz vocal at its best. Joe Coughlin. All right, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Our podcasts are on there too, so if you miss something and want to go back, you can always access them very easily by just getting on the uh, CITR website and... um, You'll see them on there. They're very, uh, very easy. Or you can access them on Brian Nation's great website, which is VancouverJazz.com. I often talk about that website. Um, all you have to do is scroll down to the homepage on VancouverJazz.com, and you'll see Gavin Walker, The Jazz Show Podcasts, and you can go back. And if something intrigues you, you can always uh, play it through on uh, via our podcast services. So that's something you could do. And, of course, uh, VancouverJazz.com is one of the most uh, comprehensive websites in, uh, in the city. And um, you can find out about all uh, the gigs that are happening. Um, you know, there's really no central place where uh, jazz music happens anymore. I used to always talk about the Corey Weed Cellar. Of course, that was really... Um, our jazz club, but this the jazz popping up all over the place in in Vancouver, and uh, it it's kind of um, compels one if they're interested to go on these websites because then you'll find out there's a gig Wednesday or a gig Thursday somewhere else somewhere else, and uh, uh, Brian Nation's website will set you straight on that because he has a you can simply access that by, by going around. Uh, clicking on to different aspects of VancouverJazz.com. So that's a good one. And our jazz features are on there, too, on uh, Jazz on the Air. And, of course, biographies of musicians, all kinds of stuff on there. And, of course, the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And speaking of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, our next show is June the 2nd. That's a very important show uh, because... My good friend, the media director and one of the founding fathers of the most popular cultural event in Vancouver is the Vancouver International Jazz Festival. And John Orsick was one of the founding fathers of that uh, festival. And he's going to be really doing the show next week. Uh, This is something we do every year. And um, John brings out a whole slew of things that are happening in the festival, talks about it, and I kind of take a back seat. I don't talk much. I just let John carry on and pick the music, and uh, I interject my two cents worth, or three cents worth, whatever it it is. And um, the show is all about this forthcoming jazz festival, which is happening from June the 20th. It's just around the corner, June the 20th to the 1st of July. And, of course, there's all kinds of important people coming here to the jazz festival. Uh, um, Desky, Martin and Wood, um, 
we have this great uh, gathering of the, these two large adventurous orchestras, John Corsred's Hard Rubber Orchestra and Darcy James Argue's Secret Society. And that's going to be a performance works. And, of course, Medeski, Martin, and Wood will be at the Vogue. And Bobby McFerrin, uh, he's, he's got a brand-new band. Uh, and um, Bobby, the, the opening um, show for Bobby is going to be one of our great gospel groups, the Sojourners, and they're extremely popular. Um, all those guys are so talented, and uh, that's a perfect fit. And that, that's going to be at the Orpheum Theater. And then uh, Maceo Parker, Mr. Funk himself, is coming to the Vogue Theater. And then, of course, one of the great um, gurus of the tenor saxophone and a great spiritual uh, figure in jazz music, Charles Lloyd, will be bringing his quartet to the Vogue Theater as well. And Cassandra Wilson, one of the finest vocalists uh, in jazz music and one of the most adventurous as well. She'll be uh, performing at the Vogue. All kinds of good shows there and and other places. You can find um, the brochure at uh, most uh, Toronto Dominion banks because that's uh, one of the major, well, that is the major sponsor of of the uh, jazz festival. But uh, John Orsick will be here next week, and uh, please uh, come by because uh, um, he'll give you a complete overview of the festival and talk about all the wonderful artists um, coming and um, playing their music, and we'll have a lot of fun, as we usually do every year. So don't miss next week's jazz show. Mark that on your calendar. All right, uh, one more thing before uh, we get into our jazz feature. I always mention uh, uh, my good friend Ken Speller, uh, who is an excellent musician, but he's also a genius repairman. He's really, really good at what he does. He repairs woodwind instruments, clarinets, flutes, saxophones, you name it. Overhauls them if necessary, uh, replaces worn-out parts, all that kind of stuff, tunes them up so that you can play at your very best. And he does it all in his home. He has a complete workshop there, so he keeps his costs to a minimum, uh, which is good for you because uh, musicians, uh, well, you know, they generally don't have a lot of money. And um, keeping instruments up to date, can so, uh, up to scratch, can sometimes be very expensive. Ken Speller, good man to know. Um, his phone number is 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933, or Speller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Speller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. That's how you can get hold of him. Make an appointment. Uh, he's located in the 13th and Lonsdale area of North Vancouver. Pretty easy to access, and uh, he'll get your instrument back in shape very quickly and do a great job and guarantee his work. So there you go. All right, our jazz feature tonight is an album that really was never going to see the light of day, and it's by the legendary Andrew Hill. Andrew Hill is a pianist who kind of came on the scene. He was uh, born in Chicago, and he worked around uh, the Chicago area, played with all the heavies there, Uh, moved to New York in the uh, mid-60s, about 1963, 
and began showing up on Blue Note Records. The first session that I heard Andrew Hill on was a Hank Mobley date called No Room for Squares. And that's a great date. And Andrew's um, very different piano playing uh, shines on this album, although he's completely within the context of Hank Mobley's music. But there was something special about his playing, and I think that attracted um, the... Honcho, the head honcho of Blue Note Records, Alfred Lyon, to Andrew. So he kind of took him aside and, and said, um, what's happening with you? And Andrew said, well, I have about 100 compositions that I've written. Um, I'm, I'm a composer, and, and uh, I, I'd love to do a record date. And Alfred Lyon said, that's what you're going to do. Uh, and Andrew Hill did his first recording date for Blue Note Records under his own name uh, called Black Fire with Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, and it's a classic recording. And uh, that was the beginning of Andrew Hill's long uh, tenure with Blue Note Records. And Alfred Lyon took a really, um, took a, a great liking to Andrew Hill and felt that he was a contemporary version of Thelonious Monk, although there was no musical relationship between the two. Uh, uh, Alfred Lyon had discovered and, and was the first person to record Thelonious Monk. Uh, Monk recorded for Alfred Lyon between the years of 1947 to 1952, and um, Andrew Hill sort of uh, came along a decade later, and Alfred Lyon had the same feeling about Andrew that he did about Thelonious Monk and recorded Andrew quite prolifically. But he couldn't issue all the stuff, all the stuff that he recorded because it would have flooded the market. But today, all of Andrew's music is available. Um, and uh, it's, it's out there uh, for one to investigate. And it's, it's quite wonderful. It's quirky, it's unpredictable, and very, very original. Getting back to this session, this was done in 1969 in November with a fairly large group, and I'll name the musicians in a moment. But the tape was brought to Andrew by the great researcher Michael Kuskuna, who was going through the Blue Note vaults. And uh, it was a... Um, what it was was a demo tape, really, and uh, it was played for Andrew, and Andrew said, "This no, this is no good. Uh, I remember this session, and uh, no, I don't care for it at all, and uh, please never, ever release this. It's, uh, it's not worth it. I, I don't want this released. That was it. Then Andrew thought about it and had some th second thoughts about a month later, and he phoned Kuskuna and said, you know, you want to bring that tape back? I, I'd kind of like to listen to it again. And Kuskuna says, well, I got something better. I've got the same music on the master take, which I just discovered, and I'll bring it over. So they, he did. He brought it over to Andrew's house, and they listened to it. And Andrew, Andrew said, this is important music. I want this out there. I want this release. This is great, and the band sounds great. Everything works on this. Sure, there's a few little flaws and stuff, but the music is so good it overrides all this, and I want it out. So they released it 
in 2003, and it became one of the most uh, revered and talked about albums of the year. Now, we featured this before. We're going to do it again. The album is called Passing Ships, and it features, uh, again, this large group led by pianist Andrew Hill. There are seven compositions on here. There are two trumpeters, two great trumpet players, Woody Shaw, the late Woody Shaw, and the still-with-us Jamaican-born trumpeter Dizzy Reese. And on trombone, still-with-us, Julian Priester. On French horn, Robert Northern. And on tuba and bass clarinet, the great Howard Johnson. On soprano saxophone, tenor saxophone, alto flute, regular flute, bass clarinet, and English horn, Joe Farrell. The late Joe Farrell, who passed away in 1986. What an adaptable musician, one of Andrew's favorites, and he just sounds great on all of these horns on this session. On bass, the redoubtable Ron Carter. And on drums, a young Lenny White. This was one of his first recording sessions, and this great drummer is still with us, so is Mr. Carter. So the tunes, there are seven of them, all composed by Andrew Hill. We open with Sideways, then we move to the title track, Passing Ships, then two number three is called Plantation Bag, two number four is called Noon Tide, two number five is called The Brown Queen, two number six, Cascade, and two number seven, Yesterday's Tomorrow. The individual, quirky, fascinating music of Andrew Hill, our jazz feature artist this evening. Sit back and enjoy this one. Passing Ships. Thank you. 
Our jazz feature this evening, this wonderful album that was issued in 2003 after being uh, rejected first time around by the leader, uh, Andrew Hill. On rehearing, he decided that uh, the music on here was well worth preserving and it became one of the most discussed and also praised albums of 2003. And of course, it, uh, it's, the music has retained its uh, freshness and, uh, of course, added to the great long legacy that um, is Andrew Hill's music. We heard Mr. Hill on piano. He composed all seven pieces. And the people involved, a large ensemble with the great Woody Shaw on trumpet. He played mostly um, uh, open trumpet without a mute. And, of course, his distinctive sound and concept was uh, readily evident. The other trumpet, trumpeter on the date was Jamaican-born Dizzy Reese, uh, who sounded just fine and very fresh on this, and Dizzy is still very much with us. Julian Priester on trombone, Robert Northern on French horn, Howard Johnson on tuba, and bass clarinet. And the reeds were all taken care of by the great late Joe Farrell. And, of course, he was heard on uh, several um, really wonderful tenor saxophone solos, but we also heard him on soprano saxophone. We heard him on the alto flute. We also heard him on the bass clarinet, and we heard him on English horn. Of course, uh, a most adaptable and versatile musician. On bass, the great Ron Carter. And on drums, a young Lenny White. He was uh, just beginning to make his mark uh, in jazz music. And all of this was recorded over a couple of sessions in November of 1969 at Rudy Van Gelder's studio in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. The seven compositions we heard, we began with Sideways. Um, the title track uh, was track number two, Passing Ships. Uh, Plantation Bag was the tune number three. Then tune number four was Noon Tide. Then tune number five was The Brown Queen. Tune number six was Cascade. And the final tune was Yesterday's Tomorrow. All compositions and arrangements by Andrew Hill. And um, very reflective of his uh, very, very individual approach to music. Without forgetting the... The mainstream of jazz, Andrew Hill always had other directions uh, with which to travel. And uh, his music is constantly fascinating, and we uh, hope that you enjoyed that CD this evening, Passing Ships, issued on Blue Note Records. We are going to uh, close the jazz show this evening. I'd just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show, on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. A wonderful musician who was born here in Vancouver, raised here. She is um, in New York and performs uh, throughout. Um, she is based in Toronto, but she makes frequent visits to New York and is highly admired. Her name is Brandy Disterheft, and she's a bassist and a wonderful bass player, and she's leading this uh, great trio on this album, uh, which is her latest. It's, uh, the group is called The Jazz Descendants, and the album is entitled Red. 
Um, we hear Brandy Disterheft on bass, Joshua Goodman on piano, and one of the great legendary drummers from uh, New York who's played with everybody, Leroy Williams. And uh, this wonderful trio recorded this, uh, this album. And we're going to hear two tunes from here. Uh, the first tune is the title track by Brandy Disterheft. It's called Red. And the second tune is by Leroy Williams. And uh, it's a very interesting uh, little lighter composition called Rosita. And that's going to uh, take care of the jazz show this evening. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, uh, this has just been released. And it's on um, Superfan Records. And uh, you can get this. Um, actually, you can uh, go on the Internet and www.superfanrecords.com. That's it. Just spell out the word. Uh, or www.thejazzdescendants.com. And you can find out more information how to obtain this uh, wonderful recording. So here it is. Brandy Disterheft, Joshua Goodman, and Leroy Williams, the jazz descendants. Thank you. 
Mm-hmm. A couple of pieces from a brand new album by the Jazz Descendants called Red. And the Jazz Descendants are led by Vancouver-raised bassist, the wonderful Brandy Disterheft. And Joshua Goodman is the pianist, and New York drummer Leroy Williams make up the trio. And we heard two tunes from this album. Uh, the first one was the title track, written by Brandy Disterheft, called Red. And uh, this last one we just heard was by uh, drummer Leroy Williams and called Rosita. So that concludes this edition and this month's editions of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and next week, of course, is a very special show. It will be our annual jazz festival show. And my worth worthy constituent <laughs> is going to be John Orsick. And John is the media director for the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society and a radio personality himself. And he'll be bringing uh, tons of recordings um, by people that will be appearing at this year's jazz festival. And John essentially takes over the show. I uh, throw in my two cents worth. And um, John will, for the full three hours plus, will be doing a show devoted to this year's Jazz Festival, which begins on June the 20th and goes right through to Canada Day, July the 1st. So that's one of the best-loved and most popular cultural events right here in Vancouver. So please join us next week for that very special show. That's June 2nd, next Monday night. Thanks very much for being out there. We appreciate your ears, and we hope that you appreciated the music that you heard this evening on behalf of CITR and myself, Gavin Walker, and The Jazz Show. See you in seven days' time. Bye for now. Do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee Ba-do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee